and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're so glad y'all are here with us. I'm Mark Sandlin, and this is my buddy Caleb. How you doing, Caleb? I'm great today, Mark. Can't wait to talk I about have... Paper Girls. Absolutely. Me too. Me too. Before we get into that, though, we want to remind everybody that we are sponsored by ProgressiveChristianity.org. If you haven't checked them out yet, I suggest as soon as this show is over, you go do that. There are 6,600 pieces of progressive Christian resources and material there. I think that you will find it very useful. Uh, we also want to ask you to make sure you check out the Moonshine Jesus Show, particularly our Facebook page, as well as any place you get your podcast, you can find our broadcast. So please go and get that. And finally, a warning. This is and always will be a spoiler full mm. show. So don't uh, expect to, to be, hear anything spoiler free. We're going to dig deep into this show and have a good time talking about it. But before we go that far, we're going to enjoy a couple of drinks together, themed even. Caleb, I'm curious mm -hmm. to hear where you went with this. This one was a little less of an old show, so there weren't a lot of pre-made drinks that were themed specifically for the show. So I'm really okay. curious to see, how did you how did you approach this? Where'd you go on this? Okay, so one of the visuals that struck me throughout uh, Paper Girls <laughs> was the pink lightning yep. It's, yep. Yep, it struck yep. you too mark yep. of course i mean it's such it's a vibrant <laughs> color uh and right. uh so i thought well i'm i'm going to have a pink lightning and right. uh my my version of a pink lightning is uh i've got a spiked pink lemonade so it's Very you nice. know summer here so like it's it. just it's a pink lemonade Perfect. just with a with a shot of vodka in it so Great. my pink lightning okay what did you well, you we, 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 pink, yeah we had we had the same idea we had this mm -hmm. there's these scenes where there's pink light there's also this eerie kind of iridescent pink purple sky Mm -hmm. And since there weren't any really pre-made drinks, I decided that I wanted to create the Paper Girl cocktail. And so I wanted mm. to recreate that sky, that yeah. pinkish purple sky. Ooh. So what I did was I took a, a Cosmopolitan, but instead mm -hmm. of using cr just cranberry, um, I actually used a um, pomegranate blueberry juice to get that mm. color. Yeah. So tell me, do you think, did I get this pink air glowing Ooh, neon that's pretty good i like there that we go. yeah there we go so yeah. i'm calling it i'm calling it the paper girl cocktail paper so cheers cocktail. cheers I, I to you based on our drinks alone i'm sure we're gonna have a great show we're gonna have a lot of fun all right well let's hit drop and we'll be right back Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we are talking about the Amazon Prime video series, Paper Girls. This is, of course, as Mark mentioned, not a spoiler-free zone. Paper <laughs> Girls is very interesting. Paper Girls takes a foursome of 1980s 12-year-old girls from a suburb of Cleveland and sends them on a time-traveling adventure where they discover themselves figuratively 
as they come to terms with who they are and literally as they meet future versions of themselves. So they're caught between two warring factions of time travelers, the old watch who believes that everything has been determined and should unfold the way that it already has unfolded and the STF underground, which wants to change the past to theoretically make life better for everyone. Now, Mark and I were talking right before the show about how this has been compared to Stranger Things, and there are a lot of parallels, uh, but uh, the cast is a bit more diverse. We've got uh, a Jewish girl who's coming to terms with her sexuality. We've got uh, a black girl, uh, a ch Chinese girl whose mother is an immigrant, and kind of a, a tomboy. And uh, so it's an interesting cast of characters. Mark, I'd like to hear a little bit about what what you think about the show and how you think it compares to Stranger Things. Well, I think, first of all, just I, I wish people I get why people compare it to Stranger sure. Things. I mean, you've got four teenagers start at the first episode. They're on their bikes, you know, and they get thrown into this kind of mysterious, unexpected, supernatural almost mm -hmm. type of uh uh, uh, setting where they have to figure out sure. what to do. But beyond that, there really just isn't any, I mean, the eighties. Yeah. But even with the eighties, like in stranger things, you have this sort of idealized version of what the eighties were. Everything's bright mm -hmm. and beautiful. And, and this is very gritty and real and just what life looks like is, and, and I kind of like that balance, but beyond that, there's just no comparison. I mean, um, Stranger Things is a vehicle to launch into the upside down and to do some frightening kind of interactive stuff. And the exact opposite is true of Paper Girl. Paper Girls is um, the the sci-fi element of it. It's just interesting storytelling, but it's mm -hmm. it's the backside of what the show's about. As a matter of fact, it's kind of the excuse to let them travel in time and see their future selves because a lot of the struggle that goes in on this is some. I, I think at least the show itself is partly about um, childhood expectations versus of adulthood realities and uh, either unrealized goals or unrealistic goals and how that causes internal struggle and having four girls who are very different from each other, unlike the four uh, members of the D&D team from Stranger Things who are more similar than disalike ultimately. Uh, and to watch them have to build relationships and do internal struggles and deal with their future selves and what their expectations were, I think is just a much more brilliant concept. Uh, and frankly, it's based on a comic book that was written long before Stranger Things came along. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think that it's uh, it's interesting. I hope it's uh, the, the reason I, I would uh, hold on to a comparison is I'm hopeful that it's reflective of some of the things that uh, that Hollywood has been learning uh, mm. And that's that, you know, a strong female cast that is diverse right. can still lead to a successful show that we don't have Massive. to have four white boys to, to have a right. successful show. Right. right. And uh, I think the putting uh, these girls in, in the center and uh, and I love kind it. of seeing their life experience is incredible. And I loved kind of the the coming of age grappling mm -hmm. that they were doing as well Absolutely. in a way that, you know, uh, you, you don't always see as uh, right. we, we deal I, with them, like uh, traveling in time and getting their first right. period and trying right. to deal. And with it was that. great though. Part of that meant that they also weren't around any adults, which I right. thought was kind of, I thought that's kind of the interesting 
theme mm -hmm. here is this relationship with adults in general, because mm -hmm. this is sort of a show about preteens made for adults. Yeah. Um, whereas Stranger Things is a show about preteens that's made for preteens and anyone else who might have enjoy a fun kind of good time. Mm -hmm. So to watch them kind of leaning on each other when they're very different and Hollywood really loves to put women against women, particularly mm -hmm. when they put different character types of yes. characters, you know, mm -hmm. get your blue collar mm -hmm. when you've got your, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Tiffany's very highly intelligent. K KJ has a rich family. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so they're doing all these types that tend to be put up, particularly as teenagers, when we see it in Hollywood, they tend to be pitted against each other. And while we see some tension early on with these girls, yeah. what we ultimately have is them helping each other through these coming of age moments. And it's sort mm -hmm. of a more realistic story of what can happen. And yeah, and a good positive goal for women because I, I think that's uh, one of the one of the things that Hollywood does do is then through presenting these uh, you know people clashing that then mm -hmm. they you know that that also can influence the way that that people act as they see that as normative and it's really yeah. not and it doesn't have to be and I I, I think the the strong friendship is is pretty cool. Uh, here's here's something I wondered about Mark. Yeah. Okay, so. And I want to I want to get your perspective on this. So throughout the, uh, the episodes, we've got these two warring factions, right? We've right. got uh, the the old watch, and we've got the STF. And mm -hmm. as I said earlier, old watch wants things to unfold as they already have. Right. They're in the future, right? And STF is at a future point, even beyond the old watch, and they want to change the course of events. And so throughout this. We're made to kind of sympathize with the STF. We've kind of seen right. things from their perspective. And I want to know, um, as a Presbyterian, Mark, uh, <laughs> did you find <laughs> the predestination <laughs> argument of Old Watch appealing? <laughs> where did you find yeah. yourself? Or, uh, or just a, in general, where did you, where'd you find yourself uh, siding on I had, a, I had a feeling you would go there, frankly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so ultimately, predestination and Presbyterianism is uh, a little overplayed in the outside world of what predestination really is thought of. Uh, but let's just take the, the, that question, because I think there were some yeah. interesting answers to that question that they mm -hmm. present. It's one of the fun things about this, even as they're dealing with, and I think the core of this movie is the four girls and their relationship and their mm -hmm. coming of age. And they're dealing with uh, expectations versus reality um, in terms of growing up. I, I think that's the core, but there are these fun little side things that go on in time, uh, uh, travel and, and what is predestined and what isn't is definitely part of it. And there's this moment where they, uh, the, the, uh, uh, adult version of Tiffany talks about a predestination paradox where they've kind of got caught in this time loop and there's no way to break out of it. And you're kind of stuck in it. And it's so in some ways that's your pre you're predestined, but I love part of the conversation that comes out of it. Um, because, grandfather who is this really fun uh, uh character played by uh, jason uh manzokas who is manzokas who's a, a stand-up comedian who's really good in a lot of stuff but fantastic in this he's so fantastic the yeah actually the casting of this is so brilliant everybody it's wonderful is so it's so incredible good. yeah but he he says well uh you know everything happens for a, a reason uh and one of the girls says uh people say that uh to kind of uh, absolve themselves from uh -huh. responsibility right. right i love that yeah. but then and i don't remember which girl it was that said it it, it was probably kj it might have been aaron but says mm -hmm. 
we all make choices. If we can stop yeah. bad things from happening, you have to try. So the grandfather was all yeah. like, well, just lay back because things are predestined and there's nothing you can do. We just yeah. got to keep it like it is. And I love this line of, look, bad things happen. If, if something bad yeah. happens, don't we, don't, aren't we supposed to try to, 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 to make things better? And so yeah. for me, I don't know. Are things predestined? I really certainly don't think so. I watch too many things uh, be shaped with our um, our actions, and it'd be easy enough to say, well, our actions were whatever. I, I like much better the concept and the thought that who we are today yeah. and the way we interact in the world can change the future for a, a, a better future. Um, the other predestination is so hopeless and I, I want some hope. I want some hope. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, Mark, except that uh, I, I'm with you about that in our everyday lives. Uh, but in this show, I kind of found myself uh, siding with uh, the old watch. I, I thought oh, yeah? know, these girls have only heard things from this one perspective uh, of, of these people. They don't, they don't even know. And right. uh, it, it seems to me dangerous to go meddling about in the past <laughs> and hoping that you can shape the future, hoping that whatever you do is going to somehow change the future for the better without really knowing what kind of consequences that's really going to have. And so I found myself but, throughout sympathizing, saying, right? I think uh, here's the thing, point. though, if you got a time machine. Like they, they work off of a, a theory of time where there's only one timeline and you jump back in time and you're recreating the future timeline. You're not creating any spinoff timelines. And look, um, I think that if, if that is the case, then yeah, you should always try to change it and just keep doing it until you get the right future timeline. I mean, you got the technology. Why would you not do that? Uh, but, I, but the right I, future timeline for who? You know, there are billions of people in the world. For the most no people. Idea. For the most people. For the most people. <laughs> the right timeline for the most uh, people. Okay, so you're, you're an SDF listenable. underground guy. Uh, and I, I am to a degree. I do feel yeah. like they play kind of fast and loose with the timeline. It's like they just pick one event that they personally are kind of upset about. And they're like, oh, we're going to go change that. So this will be better for us. And I, I so that's to your point. I don't think that they're taking the higher worldly good necessarily. Although I'm beginning to wonder if we get a next season, if yeah. we might see that it actually is for a higher worldly good. And we can we can get to to that a little bit later. Why I I, I think that, but I, I I I want to give a shout out to Ellen Green who's watching online because mm -hmm. I think she put it perfectly when it comes to that everything happens for a reason line from from uh, grandfather. She says uh, everything happens for a reason is pure, pure bullshit, isn't it? And it really is. I hate that line. It's one of the worst things I've ever heard mm -hmm. in terms of the way it impacts people negatively and hurts people. And we hear it all the time being tied, particularly to Christianity, that somehow oh, yeah. that there's this God that's creating even horrible things that are meant for good. I absolutely hate that. Um, it, but it, but I don't have any sympathy. I, you're right. I don't have much sympathy for the watch. Although I really loved uh, grandfather's explanation, his mixtape explanation for the reason why he doesn't like the uh, the changes in time, mm -hmm. the degradation and everything. Yeah. That, was, that was really kind of a nice. 
Uh, not, yeah, it it really it was, and uh, I think uh, he convinced me. And uh, as we're as we're still talking about the everything happens for a reason thing, a, a, a resource I'd give folks is Kate Bowler's "Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved." That's, <laughs> yeah, that is a great uh, that is a great thing uh, about uh, you know her cancer diagnosis and and how that is not from God. The, the other the, the other question I have, Mark, related to yeah. this, I I, I want I want to really uh get your opinion about this mm-hmm. um so this is still this is still about the the old watch okay okay uh, do you think the girls had a switch in how they viewed stf and the old watch in the final scenes of the movie as the prioress mm-hmm. uh was uh was kind of uh you know taking uh, taking them kind of a or you think there's still stf i don't think they did i because of something the prioress herself said uh, it, while she's having this change of heart, she goes, I believe the future can be what we make it. And that hit home. Like, and it goes to what I was saying earlier of that hope that I need. She said that to the girls. And I, and, and I think that's part of why they were so on board to ch- ch- go and try to change things uh, where, where prior society, I'm going to send you uh somewhere where you can make a difference and change all this horrible history that that's going on that I'm trying to protect ultimately because of a job I fell into. Uh, I'm going to send you in a place where you maybe not only can uh, change the the future of Mac, who's, who's dying from cancer. Mm-hmm. We're going to send you a place where you might be able to do yeah. something about that, but maybe uh, you can talk with Tiffany, Tiffany, mm-hmm. your older Tiffany and do yeah. something about this time travel uh, that has ultimately caused a, uh, a, a future that there's at least the some members of the STF believes needs to be changed desperately. So I don't think that I I, I think when uh, grandfather made the argument with the mixtape, I think they kind of were like, oh, okay, that makes some sense. They're like degradation every time you record over the timeline, how that weakens the timeline, how it unravels the timeline, how it ultimately snaps the timeline using a a, a cassette tape and popping the the actual uh, track on it. I, th- I think that they may have been convinced then, but I think that line from the Prioress about that the future could be what we make it uh, kept them more in the pocket of the STF. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, see, I think she's ultimately being a, a really good old watch person uh, by breaking the rules here because uh, by, by prohibiting the creation of, of time travel, she ensures that there will be nothing that will happen in the timeline. That's that's right. that's my 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 guess on it. I I think we're right. gonna see. Uh, I think we're gonna see that maybe the old watch isn't as bad as we think. But you know what, right. Mark, we Listen. have there's there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Absolutely. But but as we've already hinted at a few times, it's also a very <laughs> deep show, and it's oh, it uh, it's got a lot of a lot of real issues that we can dig into. So let's let's take mm-hmm. a quick break and let's come back and let's talk about the theology and the politics of Paper Girl. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us right now for our Theopolitico segment. And as Caleb mentioned just before the break, 
there is a lot of deep things going on beyond time travel uh, in this show. And um, some of them are almost unexpected. I didn't realize that we were going to be dealing with uh, some of the issues. And some of them lean a little more philosophical, which I always yep. think philosophical stuff and theological stuff are, 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 are um, cousins at the very least, um, and if not closer. So I, I want to start with an, a question that came to me. It just kind of hit me as something was happening. Uh, in the, I think it, I think it's it's from the last episode. It's either the last or the the penultimate episode. Um, Larry, uh, who is an STF guy played by yeah. Nate Cordry, who uh, I've I I I found him brilliant on the John uh, Stewart show on the Daily Show with John Stewart. Yeah. Uh, but he has become quite the actor. Yeah. Uh, and this this role wasn't even in the comic books. They made mm -hmm. it and put it into this show. Mm -hmm. And I thought he was brilliant in the role. Um, I, I love the way he was struggling with moments. He, he has to be post partly strong STF guy who this is what the right thing is, what we're doing and is recording all of the moments where you can time jump. And uh, but at the same time, you can tell he's a little uncertain of himself and yep. a little bit confused at time yep. and just kind of standing around and staring at things. Although he's building this giant monster robot that can travel yeah. in time, which by the way, I never quite understood why it needed to be a monster robot that could travel. Uh, in time. I, I, like, that felt a little like story, story-wise. I was like, yeah, but why, but why it was fun though. <laughs> it was fun because we got to see Ellie Wong as the older uh, um, Aaron, uh -huh. um, trying to control it. And she's just right. a great comedic actress and she pulled it off so yeah, well. Larry. But anyway, yeah. so Larry talks about uh, to the girls, he's like, you're not, you're not going to quite understand this yet, but I, I can't go with you. Mm -hmm. I, I've got to stay here and take care of my meemaw. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to understand that or yet. You're not going to yeah. understand that yet, but it's a responsibility I have. Hmm. But then... He comes out later with a shotgun as the girls are being held by the by the watch, and the, and the we didn't even get to this fight. And the pterodactyl is staring down at them. <laughs> yeah, how did we how did we not get to the pterodactyl? How did we not talk about the dinosaurs <laughs> in the time travel movie about kids from the eighties. I don't know how we didn't get there. Uh, but anyway, so uh, he's and he's trying to save them, but he's standing down a massive pterodactyl probably a pterodactyl bigger than an actual pterodactyl i mean it was just yeah. crazy how big that yeah. thing was and he ultimately loses his life mm -hmm. so here here's my question do we have a responsibility to work for the higher good even if it risks the things that are a personal good to us because that is what he did I I think so. Gen I think generally, yes, the good of the many outweigh the good of the few or the one. Right? <laughs> so that's uh, that's Star Trek talking through there. I, I it think, is. I so think that's I think that's right. Generally, although you know, I think that it's a balance because we can also use that sometimes as an excuse to mm. neglect the people who are most important to us. You know, um, or or even to neglect uh, the care of ourselves. And uh, and so sometimes we can say what I'm doing is so important uh, that you you yeah. devote so much time and energy to that, that, that it can be done at the expense of others. And so I think about mm. this, too, in terms of people who do some really significant social change. Right. They devote their right. entire lives to, to social change. And almost always the people who. 
uh, really affect a whole lot of societal change, do right. so at the expense of their own health and well-being and the expense mm -hmm. of the health and well-being of those around them. I mean, a lot okay. of folks, you know, uh, die mm -hmm. early <laughs> in the right. struggle because no. they because they're not um, they're they're not caring for themselves. And so or, I think or even being, I, I mean, if or even challenging if they're challenging something, sometimes other people will take their life and they know that they're kind of kind of like Larry did. Sure. He's challenging someone. He knew he was putting his life yep. out there. And I. Please continue. Yes. I was just going to add that part. Yeah, I think you're right. So I, I mean, sure, there are there are dramatic examples where uh, people are, you know, maybe have a life or death situation, like like Larry did in this uh, this case. But I think the more common example is like for those of us who are committed to working to justice work, how how do we or working for justice in the world? How do we balance that with also being able to sustain that work? Uh, a, a long time, and, and I do think it's a, a balance. I don't know. What do you think? Do you have Do you have uh, some insight? Well, I, I definitely struggle with that. Um, I, I'll even I'll I'll go back to uh, I think it was KJ's quote that said uh, I I think if you can stop bad things from happening, you have to try. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if there isn't a a, a, a meter on that that the worse mm -hmm. the bad thing is, the more you should try. Um, and, and I don't necessarily know that. I think the opposite sometimes happens from what you're saying. You're saying that sometimes people will use the big thing uh, to uh, not do the smaller important things. Mm. I think far too frequently, maybe even more frequently, mm. we use the smaller important things to argue why we can't do the big important things. And that that can lead to some really bad places in society when so many of us are willing to settle on all the little small victories of things that are important and say, well, these, these are important and I can't risk not being able to do these in order to address these larger goods. Um, and, and it goes back to what you said, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And maybe I, I think to a degree that's true, even personally, uh, the needs of the many, uh, outweigh the needs of the smaller good. Um, mm -hmm. but it's very difficult because you do feel like ultimately you're making, uh, I, I think there's nothing wrong with choosing to sacrifice yourself, frankly. Um, mm. I really don't. I think yeah. that if if you believe so strongly in a larger, greater good and you're willing to risk yourself in your own life and your own health or whatever, that's your choice. And I don't have a problem with that. A matter yeah. of fact, I, I think that there is something um, positive about that. And it speaks well of folks who know what they're sacrificing. Yeah. Choosing to sacrifice someone else yeah. in that pursuit is a much more difficult place mm. for me to go. Mm. I mean, yeah. and so there is this weird balance that you have to figure out. In his case, he all but chose to completely sacrifice anyone taking care of Meemaw because he was it. Yeah. There was nobody else left for Meemaw. Right. Um, although I really liked that brief we saw of Meemaw. She was a fun character. Like and She was. I really like your friends. It was great. <laughs> um, but... But there was, uh, and, and I don't know if that's the, it's just the storytelling, the narrative that went on that was necessary to make him a somewhat of a heroic figure. But in order for him to be the heroic figure, he does sacrifice Mima ultimately. Um, and, but does he accomplish anything, Mark? I mean, is anything accomplished by his, by his sacrifice? Well, I, I think there's, I think the answer to that's twofold. Uh, I think one, it ultimately could have 
meant something. Like it, it yeah. that sacrifice could have. You never know when you're standing up for something, a larger social good, a larger good than yourself, whether or not you're going to be successful and whether or not you're going to have to make this. The point is, could you make a difference? And if you could, then as KJ, I think, or Aaron said, you have to try. If you can do something positive, you've got to try. And that's what he ultimately did. He he ultimately understood her message and he decided he has has to try. Did he really? Um, I don't think he did what he wanted to. Yeah. But that does feel like one of the moments where the girls start really coming together. Hmm. There was this person that they barely knew who they already heard say, you know, there's certain things you're not going to understand and I can't go with you because I've got to be here for my meemaw. Yeah. And then he steps out and he makes this courageous sacrifice in order to try to protect them. And that is about the point in the storyline where we start seeing them get even closer knit. And it's not short after that that we see them all standing hand in hand, united, and they stay that way for the rest of the episode. So, mm. um, I, I mean, I maybe, think maybe. so. Yeah, I think so. My bigger thing is just that I think too frequently we, we let the smaller goods outweigh we let it be an excuse to not work on the larger uh, pot good. Um, and I think folks who don't want the larger good yeah. to happen sometimes count on us doing that. You know, I think an interesting point that's related to this is the idea of redemptive suffering, Mark. And I'm interested mm-hmm. on your take and on this, right? Because that was, that was a big part of Martin Luther King Jr.'s theology, right? Absolutely. Was that, that suffering was something that redeemed you and redeemed you in in some way. And so that became a part uh, of his whole philosophy for the civil rights movement, right? Was we're going to suffer for this for the good of everyone else. And Mm -hmm. the suffering is what redeems, uh, is going to redeem and a lot of people have had problems with that, Yeah, you know, and, well, um, so, and especially black theologians now that have said, mm-hmm. actually, it's wrong to call on people who are already suffering and don't have a choice right. uh, to have to suffer in order Absolutely. to save themselves. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of that whole notion? of? Well, uh, I, one, I don't necessarily agree that it's wrong to call on people who are already suffering to redeem themselves. Uh, I don't think it's wrong to call on them to, to work for a greater good that and it might cause suffering. My issue is with it, the suffering is somehow pre-installed with redemption. Mm-hmm. Suffering is suffering. Suffering hurts. Suffering's mm-hmm. bullshit. It hurts. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It's not. Suffering itself is not redeemable. Suffering will always remain horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can happen, though, is s- suffering can give a ground if you choose to learn from and to create, to weave something redemptive out of it. But the suffering itself was never redemptive. It was just a space that was necessary to work for the greater good. And from it, you can choose to wallow in the suffering, or you can choose to recognize it as suffering and figure out how do I make something good from this? How do I t- find the moments of learning, the, the the moments of realization in it and create a better future because of it, leaving it to be just as horrible it was to begin with? Hmm. 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 Well, that, that's very interesting. And uh, see, who would have thought that uh, a show about girls time traveling <laughs> right. in the 80s would, right. would, would, would lead to like, wait, 
uh, should wait. Is is suffering is suffering good? Is it is it necessary for the betterment right. of others? Uh, what about redemptive suffering? So right. this show this is show is not only right. incredibly entertaining, but it's it's very deep. It absolutely is, and, and you know I'm going to stretch the segment just a little bit longer because I got one more funny but okay. insightful thing that, about the show. Uh, like I said, I really appreciated grandfather. He feels so out of place in the entire show, but, but kind of perfectly in place at the same time. Yeah. I, I love that he is all about keeping things in order and mm-hmm. not having any, but he is this massive fan of Metallica and public enemy. <laughs> like, yeah. do you think, one, do you think that he gets how ironic that is? Is he doing it because of the irony or does he not get it? Because the reason I ask is actually politically motivated. The number of folks in this world that watch science fiction stuff or listen to Public Enemy uh, or yeah. any kind of resistant yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of art and still toe the line of very conservative, uh, yeah. hmm. not accepting. I mean, why does that happen? I mean, why are we so willing to to, from an art standpoint, deal with a, a very progressive uh, uh, idea and this really challenge the, the structure kind of understanding of the world, but fall back into a life that's so, you know, completely in line with all of that. What I think in think? his case, it, it was, he, he screamed irony uh, throughout. In the, think, in yeah, the, I think he was so too. I, and I, I think he was, and he was comedic about it. And I think he, he was, uh, he was wearing it for that reason. I think in, uh, in public life, though, I think a lot of the things that people have come to love, and kind of feel safe were, st- were things that were that really did push the boundary when they were released, and now have mm. become so much a part of culture that people don't see them as dangerous anymore. Right. Like, yeah. it's just like, oh, well, that's, that's part of, uh, that's, you know. It's, it's kind of like, it yeah, it's kind of like you and I are planning a future show on the boys. Um, yeah, right. And it's kind of interesting to have watched, uh, there have been a lot of conservative folks who were, who were watching it. And the lead character of the boys is kind of the superhero character. Right. But as the show goes on, we, uh, spoiler alert, uh, as the show goes on, we learn that he's a jerk. He's horrible. He's terrible. Yeah. But. These conservative folks, up until that happens, we're looking at him as a real hero. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got really, really mad, really mad when he ends up being the bad guy. It's a look at yourself kind of moment. Right. It really, <laughs> you know, it really it's a, it's a, you can't plan it much. You can't even, you can't plan it much better than that. Then uh, get people on board and say, this is our guy. Then yeah. show him to be a terrible person and be like, yeah. This is your guy. <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah, it was fantastic. Well, okay. okay. Like we said, it's a deep show. We could go on and on. We really encourage you to watch it. I think it'll bring up lots of questions for you. But uh, it's time for us to end this segment because we need to move on because our favorite time of each episode is mm-hmm. when we get to try to make our co-host look stupid. And that is up after the break. <laughs>
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where we are moving into our Make Me Look Stupid segment, where we try to make each other look stupid. We each get a question to ask the other. And uh, Mark, I've got a question for you, but right. I got to tell you, I, it's not so much uh, that I'm going to try and make you look stupid today. Is I just yeah. I want to know your perspective on this, and we didn't have a chance okay. to talk about it. Okay, all right, fair there enough. Was, there's a there's a lot of stuff here, and uh, one of the things that we didn't mention, but I think is one of the most interesting uh, parts of of the show is uh, KJ. And this is this is the the Jewish mm, girl mm. who is coming to terms with her sexuality, and right. so this this I know you don't want to draw parallels to to Stranger Things, but but I'm right. I'm still going to a little bit because That's one fair. of the one of the criticisms of of Stranger Things, especially over the last uh, couple of seasons, has been that they they haven't really been willing to deal with with sexuality in a way that, explicitly in the way that a lot of right. people want. And here right up in you know in this first season mm-hmm. they deal with KJ's sexuality and she gets to encounter um, a future version of herself and right. she sees she meets her girlfriend and then she sees mm-hmm. her future self like embrace the girlfriend right and you see both on her face this look of horror and maybe this look of like understanding like realization right. i'm mm-hmm. curious for uh, to hear your perspective how do you think they did on lgbt issues uh in the i actually season? think they did really well and, and actually i think both shows did i think they just do it from a different perspective part of what we get from stranger things is a story being told from a child's perspective from a kid's perspective and so it kind of makes sense to me that what we get with them dealing with someone who's outside of this the expected uh, uh, binary sexual kind of uh, expectations um, is a kid who's struggling to, to recognize and completely understand who he is himself and express it to other people. And I think the way they shoot it and tell the story helps you feel that tension a little bit. So I don't have a real problem, a, a massive problem with how Star- Stranger Things does it uh, at, at all, really. I think I like the way that uh, Paper Girls does it better, though, because it's so very real, particularly at this age. Uh, of you, you know, you got to remember again, kids of the '80s. You have sexual spe- uh, social expectations about mm-hmm. who you are sexually, mm-hmm. and um, you see her struggling with that internally. Um, recognizing it, but you can also see her be completely fascinated with the girlfriend, how she shows up to the movies and has this long conversation with her older self's girlfriend. Like Mm -hmm. there's this kind of warm, special moment where you realize that she's really like getting how good this is for her. Like this is who, when she's having that conversation, it's one of the times I see her being less shy and less introverted and being Mm -hmm. more engaged. And so there's something special about the way they present that relationship. But at the same time, I love, they it's not over, overly simplified. They come back and near the end of the last episode, she and Max start getting close and they're uh-huh. in the barn and Max is trying to warm up to her, which is out of Max character, right. like blue collar, right. rough, tumble tomboy, like yeah. screw the world. I'm just going to be me and y'all can deal yeah. with it. But she puts her hand on, on KJ's hand yeah, and a ten, a very tender moment. I thought it was right. lovely, and KJ has this immediate gut reaction of pulling back. Yeah, um, 
and that hurts that that that, that ends up hurting Mac. And, and I kind of love that they explored this space of Max, this tough kid who's trying to open up and 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 maybe understand her own sexuality. We don't really know at that point. Um, but KJ's reaction based on the way society has taught her and, and pushed in these unreal understandings of, of binary sexuality uh, pulls back. And, and you can tell has some remorse about it. So I, I really like that. I, th- I feel like they handle it in, in a mature way. And it kind of goes back. I think Stranger Things is told more from a kid's perspective. And uh, Paper Girls is told more from the, the uh, from a perspective that's meant to appeal to adults who remember what mm. their childhood was like. I don't know. Mm. I mean, what do you think? I thought they handled it really well uh, for those for those reasons. There, uh, you got to really see some of the com- complexity, and you got to see the um, the the realizations here and the the struggle with uh, relationships. And I I do I I did I just love the scene that I was referencing just a minute ago. She's uh, the young KJ is hiding out in the bathroom in her house, and she sees her. Uh, future self you know go and kiss her girlfriend right. and the the you know this is the a point in in life where you're trying to figure out a lot of times sexuality and figure out what all that means and i just i thought and i thought this was a real testament to how good the actress was to, oh, to see she... in her face like both horror and then like and to see her eyes kind of settle and like right. to and to like you could almost like see the processing in her head like oh yeah. th- maybe this is who I am and so that you know that wasn't really something that I ever had to struggle with my you know my right. sexuality wasn't something sure. that was ever in question for me mm-hmm. and like and so I loved being able to see it in this way to see to yeah. see someone you know come to terms with that so i agree with you yeah. what, what have you got for me you got a question for me all right here's my question for you and actually uh we're, we're already over time and we're just going to go over time frankly because i've what? i've got i've got a series of questions and they're not really <laughs> of course st- you did. Not, i've got five no, questions no, no, for you no no i usually <laughs> let you i usually let you pick this, these aren't really stumper questions. This kind of okay. goes back to, these are things I'm very curious about, and I'm really interested okay. in your perspective. And okay. your answer to each is going to lead to another kind of curiosity. Okay. So, okay. Uh, at, so we, end the, we end the episode with uh, Tiffany and Aaron going back, uh, mm-hmm. traveling in time in one pod, and yeah. Mac and KJ traveling in time in, in another pod, right? Yeah. So my first question to you is, what year did Tiffany and Aaron go back to? Um, they go back. They so they Tiffany and, they see, and Aaron go. They're the ones who go back. They, they go, go back do you in hear time. That? Yeah. Right. And so they go back in time. It's the night. I think it's the 1970s because they go. Um, and the, so they're yes. walking through the forest and they see a drive-in movie theater with dated Correct. cars. They're watching um, Longest Yard. Longest I Yard. Think. So I think that was released David in David Bowie's playing in the background, I think. Which, and that song I think was released in 75. Five, so so right. you've got like, so it's like, we're talking mid seventies okay. here, probably right. 75 ish. Yeah. So, so, so what, how stuck are they, man? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, seriously, Larry, Larry's, Maybe a kid at that point. I don't know. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, and they don't. The that's heck? true, and they don't have the they don't have the journal. I uh, here's what I think is going to. happen. This was my media. I had it so much anxiety the moment I realized where they were. I was like, <laughs> "Holy crap! They they got nobody to go to. They don't have their older selves. They don't have Larry. All they have is Tiffany, who uh, the black girl, who is brilliant." Yeah. A yes. brilliant mind and has been exposed to some stuff that she wouldn't have been in the eighties. Right. But would she have the equipment in the mid seven? I don't know. Man. I, so I think the way that, so I think the way that the next season is going to play out is we're going to get part of the season, maybe half uh, with yeah. exploring the different timelines right. and what's happening. Yeah. Then uh, that perhaps the, the ones who are in the future, right? Because we okay. knew that we know that the priorist was sending them to the future, right? That's where right. the pod was supposed to go to try and, stop Tiffany's future self from inventing time travel. I, I and, don't have more to, access to time to, travel. And, I think they'll go back and get them. You think they'll go find the others? Mm-hmm. I think they're, All right, I so think, my, yeah. Okay. So here's my last question. Yeah. And it, it refers to something that we talked about in the first segment that I said, we'll get to that. Okay. Okay. Why did they get there and go, I expected to see flying cars. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's because they thought they were going to the, they thought that the prioress was sending them to the future, just like she had sent the others. But, you know, she's like dying. And so I think it was no, an that, accident. That was, I, th- I thought that was Mac and KJ who said, I expected to see flying cars. They, we don't see much of where they end up. But I think Mac just, says, I expected to, no, K- one of them says, I expected to see flying cars. I thought that was the ones who were in the 70s. Who like they land in the uh, maybe, field and they and they walk through the so. field and they go through the field. Maybe, and maybe so. Them. There was something that was said that made me think that maybe they weren't worthy. Like, I guess my my ultimate thing was I felt like they end up in a future that's dystopian. Mm. Well, okay. Which well, would be a reason why you would go back and try to like for that's the greater true. good. The STF. If if we yeah. got if they end up in a dystopian future. Yeah, the STF would definitely. Why would you not go back as many times as it takes to try to, try to s- change things so they don't end up in that dystopian future? I don't. Know. We'll get. I we're mean, we're going to see. But you know Here's what? The either thing, way, though. either way, Mark, yeah. I am one hundred percent on board for right, uh, Paper Girls season two. I'm, I'm there. I have to say, there's eight episodes in this season. I was sharing with you before the yeah. show started and our pre-show discussion. I was like, man. I sat down thinking I was going to watch two shows a night for the week leading up to this. I watched the first six episodes and I only stopped because it was midnight. And I was like, I got to go to bed. I got to go to work in the morning. I mean, it is that good of a show. I think the first episodes, a little, the first episode or two are a little slow, but they tease enough stuff and the acting is so incredible. It's more than, than worth it. But yeah, it's just, it's a great show, man. And, and I'm, I'm into, I don't know that it's actually been renewed for a second season yet. They better. Um, I, I agree. That that yeah. the last episode very clearly ramps it up to to encourage us to want a second season, and I think it's going to be popular enough. I hope it's going to be popular enough that uh, that that Amazon will sink a bigger budget into it because there were moments that were a little underdone from the, the CGI and that kind of stuff. Agreed. And I think, and they certainly set it up because they did change the ending from the, uh, from the comic book, from the way it ended in the comic book to, I think, set up for a second season. So I, uh, well, I mean, I the interesting thing is the comic book only has 30 comics. Yeah. And so there's only so much story in the comic books for them to cover. 
right? So it's going to be. And they've original. covered they've covered a, 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 a decent amount of it right now. Yeah. The comic book writer and uh, graphic designer are, are have been involved heavily in producing this, so that they would have a good influence. So even if we end up having to go past the comic book, we probably end up with great story because they're involved in it. But it's great, and 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 I think we both would say if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Watch you it. you will. You will be so happy. Uh, these four and these four young actresses, keep an eye on them. They're going to blow up. They are. It's ridiculous uh, at somewhere around the age of twelve that you can convey the emotion without words that they do. It is exceptional. Exceptional. One hundred percent. So uh, this has been a lot of fun talking about Paper Girls. So, but you know what? We're gonna have to wrap it, Mark. Uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up, and we're gonna have to look to next week. And yeah, uh, next week. Yep. And I'm excited you about next tell week. Them? You want to tell them what we're gonna? What we're gonna I, if you talk about, you're okay. Are you okay yeah. with me telling them? Yeah, I want you to tell them, Mark. Right. I want you to reveal so, this. Okay. okay. So <laughs> this was this one actually sort of hits close to home for me because it's a comic book that I've been very attracted mm-hmm. to because. Uh, I, when I was in basketball camp, uh, a college player gave me the nickname of Sandman. Mm. And so, and so it's been, it's been a phrase that I've carried with me and a nickname that I've carried with me, uh, from Sandlin to Sandman. Yeah. But so there is a DC comic, uh, book called the Sandman and it brings the story of Mo- Morpheus, the King of Dreams to life. And so they have just released it to Netflix, um, and it's got uh, amazing stars in it. And uh, it's basically about a character after being a victim of an occult rit- ritual and held captive for 106 years. This character, Morpheus, finally escapes and goes on a mission to help restore order to his kingdom. Uh, it is all of the early reviews seem to say it's incredibly and well produced and well directed. So I'm, I'm real excited about this. So that's going to be our, our next show and everyone should make sure they watch so they can uh, like really dig into the conversation with us. That's right. And we're going to do something unprecedented today. Yeah. We, we yes. told you about uh, next week. We're going to also tell you what we're doing two weeks from now. So this absolutely. Is like, this is a big thing for us, Mark. We, we hinted we at never, this a little bit. Yeah, we, we hinted never at this a little before. bit. Yeah, we hinted. No, we okay. Don't. okay. Two weeks from now, we're going right. to watch uh, The Boys, uh, which flips the, the love, superhero narrative it. on its head. It's a lot of fun. But there are three seasons. So we thought uh, we want to give you time to watch The Boys. It's on yeah. Amazon Prime. But if you haven't and seen it, really interesting. A lot not of for the fun. faint of heart. Not but not for the faint of heart. Uh, there's there's is, a lot of violence and nudity and language, but uh, but what but they that deal bother with you, a great show. Yeah, and, and what they grapple with and, and deal with is, is going to be great fodder for discussion. It is Absolutely. amazing what they do in that show. Yeah. Well, Mark, we've had a wonderful show today. Thanks to everybody for joining us. We appreciate you uh, you being here with us today and maybe Absolutely. drinking some pink drinks with us. Uh, that <laughs> right. was so fun. Uh, we'll was. see you next time on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine.